Hello, and welcome to First Baptist Church. You know, the Bible says there's one name under heaven given among men whereby we may be saved. And it is that sweet and precious name of Jesus that saints have called on ever since the angel first told Mary that would be his name. Jesus, Yahweh saves. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We come boldly thanking you for your goodness. We come boldly approaching your throne of grace with many things on our hearts this day. And we are so thankful that you welcome us to come to you. And so, Lord, we do. We bring it all to you. We bring all our joys and all our sorrows all our triumphs and all our anxieties we cast upon you because you have told us in your word that you care for us. Lord, not only do we bring all of those things to you, we bring ourselves to you. And we ask now that through your word and by your spirit, you would do a work in us that is utterly transformative. Remind us of the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ, a hope that will not let us go. And remind us, Lord, that in Jesus there is joy, there is peace, there is love, there is eternal life. So speak to us now the words of life through your word and by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I have to tell you on this Father's Day that when I first became a dad, I thought that's when the download of information happened. Do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe you were looking for this too. I just remember knowing that dad knew things. Like he knew what a distributor cap did on an engine and that you needed to cover it up before you washed it because my dad would stand in the rain and wash his truck. It did not matter. He would wash the engine, wanted to make sure it was clean, but if you didn't cover up the distributor cap with some, uh, some of that saran wrap, you were gonna be in trouble. He just knew things. And I didn't know where he'd learn those things. And I was expecting that when Griffin was born, I would get the cosmic download of information so that I could just know things. And and it never came. It didn't come when I got married. It didn't come when we had our first child. It didn't come when we had our second child. It didn't even come when we got our foo-foo dog. And so there must be this ongoing growth in the lives of human beings. And sometimes I feel like Gideon. Do you all ever feel like Gideon? Gideon was a man mighty in the Lord. That's God's descriptor of him. Now, that's, that's satire to some degree. Gideon was mighty in the Lord for one reason. God was with him. But do you remember when God was going to lead uh, Gideon to overcome the Midianites and he brought together all of these great warriors from within God's people and told Gideon, you're going to be my leader and you're going to go and you're going to overtake the Midianites as the judge over Israel. What did Gideon do? Okay, Lord, um, tell you what, I kind of could use a sign. This was not the first time that Gideon had asked for a sign. So what he did was he took a fleece and he laid it out and he said, Lord, if you really are going to do this, I mean, if this is really what you're going to do and you're going to use me to do it, if you don't mind, I'm going to go to sleep. And when I wake up, I would love it if this fleece would be drenched with dew, but the, dry around, the, the ground around it dry. And so Gideon went to sleep and woke up. And sure enough, the fleece was drenched with dew and the ground around it was dry. He got his sign. How many of you would be so thankful to receive that sort of a sign from the Lord? 
But that wasn't enough for Gideon. No, he said, Lord, I, I don't want you to get angry with me, but if maybe this time I'm going to lay the same fleece out, and in the morning when I wake up, if all the ground around it could be drenched with dew, but the fleece itself dry, then I'll know that you're speaking to me. And so what did he do? He laid out the fleece, he went to bed, and got up the next morning, and sure enough, the fleece was dry, but the ground all around it was drenched. God gave him that sign. And so many times I have scoffed at Gideon. (sighs) Where is your faith, Gideon? And God is speaking to you. God is calling you. God is leading you. God even gave you a sign. Why did you need another one? But I have to be honest with you, way more often than I scoff at Gideon, I'm comforted by Gideon. Because how many of you can relate to Gideon? God's leading you, God's calling you, God's speaking to your heart, and you just need to be sure, God, is this really you? Gideon was a man mighty in the Lord who had a faith that trembled sometimes. Do you ever have a faith that trembles? Well, I do. And yet I look at Jesus, and I look to Jesus, and I take another step. And that's this journey of trusting and following Jesus, and that's why we say we don't just do that on Sunday morning. We're called to do that in every moment of our lives. We look to Jesus, and though we may be trembling, we take another step toward Jesus. People wonder, does God still speak to us today? Well, the answer is overwhelmingly, unequivocally, yes. In John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So today, on this Father's Day, when maybe you're like me and you're wondering when the download of heavenly guidance and information is coming, we're going to ask the question, how do I listen to God? If we're going to pray, it's not just talking. God doesn't need our earth report. You realize that, right? He knows everything that's going on anyway. But there's this communing with God, this listening to God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and... I know them, and they follow me. So how do we hear the voice of God? Well, today we're going to ask God that question, and by his word and by his spirit, he's going to show us. There was a little spoiler alert in that statement. But the theme for today's message is this. God speaks today. God speaks today. And the first point I want us to get today is this. God speaks by his word, the Bible. God speaks by his word, the Bible. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Paul writes to Timothy, his son in the faith, saying this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God, which is messenger of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. What is Paul telling Timothy, his beloved son in the faith? He's telling him that you have in your possession, Timothy, the words of God. It is breathed out by God. And of course, we affirm that this book is inerrant and infallible and true and trustworthy. And that through it, God speaks to his people. Through it, God speaks to all people. It matters so much that when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, you remember that high priestly prayer? of John chapter 17, that, that prayer of Jesus when we get to hear the words of God the Son praying to God the Father. Do you know what he prayed for his disciples? He said, sanctify them in the truth. 
your word is truth. The author of Hebrews tells us that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God has spoken to us in the 66 books of this Holy Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. God has given us his word. Theologian J.I. Packer in his Knowing God says this, one basic mistake, stake, is to think that guidance from God is essentially inward prompting by the Holy Spirit apart from the written word. He says the fundamental mode whereby our rational creator guides his rational creatures is by rational understanding and application of his written word. Many of you have read Experiencing God by Henry and Richard Blackerby and Claude King. And they say this, as you spend time in a love relationship with God, you'll come to know his voice. God's already given many messages and commands in the Bible. As you read Scripture, the Holy Spirit will be working to reveal truth about God, his purposes, and his ways. When he speaks, you must adjust yourself to the truth revealed and obey God. When you obey, you will experience him working in and through you to accomplish his work. We sing about this in songs that have been dear to the church for centuries. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Or how firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? And so here's the question I have to ask myself, and if you're, a tr- if you're a believer in Jesus, you have to ask yourself this too. You want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. You want God to guide you. I want God to guide me. Am I turning first to the basic way that he has given whereby he guides me? That's why we want you to read the Bible every single day. That's why I want to read the Bible every single day because As you read the word, you meet the author. You have an encounter with Almighty God through his word. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I bet many of you have. That you might pick up your Bible and read a passage you've read a thousand times before, but in that moment, in your circumstance, in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit, you experience it like you've never experienced it before. God teaches you something you've never even thought of before through a remarkably familiar text. And that's what he does. He has spoken. And so here's the question. If we want to hear from God and we're not willing to read what he said, then there's a disconnect there. And in fact, if I want to be led by his spirit, but I'm not sure what sorts of things he says, then there's going to be a disconnect there. Because the Bible says that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. And how are you going to know whether you're hearing from God or of Satan if you haven't read his word, if you're not actively engaged in in immersing yourself in his word? Do you know those who study counterfeit money don't spend time studying counterfeits? They don't. They don't spend all their time studying counterfeit dollar bills. They spend all their time studying the real thing. Because the closer you get to the real thing, the better you know the real thing, the more readily you're able to discern when it's counterfeit. So how do we hear from God? Well, God speaks by his word, the Bible. 
But our second point today is this. God speaks by his spirit. God speaks by his spirit. In John chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples there in the upper room, and he's preparing them for life without his physical presence there. And this is what Jesus says in John 16, verses 7 through 14. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. In Romans, Paul would write, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. But if you're a believer in Jesus and you're a child of God, God has given you his Spirit at the moment of your conversion to guide you. Not only do we have the map, we have the GPS implanted in us. God helps us know what next steps to take, and he does that in various ways. Sometimes God speaks to us by his Spirit through our circumstances. How many of you have been sure that God wanted you to do something and that door just slammed in your face? And all of a sudden, what you were certain God wanted you to do turned out not to be what God wanted you to do. Aaron and I were looking for a house several years ago. It's been over a decade, and we found the one. We just knew that was the one. This was where we were going to raise our family. This was it. Turned out we were wrong. That door closed. Nobody bought our house, so we couldn't afford to buy another one. And God led us where he wanted us to go. And sometimes God opens doors, and sometimes those doors open and close inexplicably. inexplicably. And part of that is God's guidance of us. Another way that God speaks through his spirit is through other believers. Other believers. I'll tell you, um, I have people ask me all the time, how did you know God was calling you into ministry? Well, there was an inward sense that perhaps God might lead me to do that, and I fought against it, but, but God also used his people to confirm that in me. The very first person who ever suggested to me that God might be calling me into ministry is a man named Robert Long. He's a member of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. Great man. You may know him from Rotary or any manner of ways in the community. And I thought, with all due respect, you're crazy. <laughs> but God was already using believers to just confirm what he was doing. Steve Ayers. That God used you to raise up and send out. Bless your heart. Some of you, Glenda, I see you. You chaperoned him. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Some of you were his GA leaders. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And now he pastors the largest Southern Baptist church in the state of Kentucky that has baptized well over 10,000 people. God has used him mightily. But I'll never forget, Steve furrowed that brow and raised that eyebrow and pointed at me. That's what he does when he gets serious. He said, God's hands on you, big boy. I said, that's nice, but I hope not in the way you're talking about. There was a preacher named Glenn. He was a bivocational preacher. Worked at Scotty's. Drove a low boy. 
One day we were waiting to pick up a piece of equipment. We had to move a D9 dozer, and a D9 dozer is a big dozer. In fact, to transport it, you got to take the blade off of it. And we were waiting on the crane to come and take the blade off the D9 dozer so we could load it up, and we just got to talking. And Glenn looked at me. Glenn's with the Lord now, but he said, after we'd been talking for a while, he said, you ain't going to be no doctor. Because I was still going to college, pre-med and all those things. I said, what do you mean, Glenn? He said, God's going to use you in the pulpit. I said, I don't know about that, Glenn. Peter Bartuska, my mentor in college, I told him I thought, maybe God might be calling me into ministry. I, I don't know. He said, we'll see. It was one of the greatest gifts I ever got. And then Hillview Heights Church called me to serve in a ministry role. First Baptist Church of Franklin called me to serve as interim pastor. First Baptist Church of Bowling Green affirmed that calling. What was God doing through all of that? God was using his people, mentors in the faith, to confirm the message he was giving. He does that. And so God speaks. He speaks by his spirit. But let me give you the third point because this is vitally important. And I, I really, really want us to land here and get this. Point number three is this. God's spirit always speaks in accordance with and not contrary to God's word. God's spirit always speaks in accordance with and not contrary to God's word. In Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, the Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? The author of Hebrews in Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And I want you to hear what the apostle Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1 as he recounts the transfiguration. You remember the transfiguration? If there's a religious experience that the disciples had, this is one of the greatest. And only Peter and James and John got to see it. Jesus took them to a mountain where he was lifted up and he was transfigured. He, he shone radiantly with his pre-incarnate glory as the second person of the Holy Trinity, God the Son. There appeared with him Moses and Elijah talking to him. And you remember Peter, Peter I identify with, he sometimes speaks because he has to fill the silence. Has that ever been you? And so Peter speaks and says, Lord, it's a good thing that we're here. Let me start building some tents for all of us. We'll, we'll set this up and make this more permanent. And then, in an instant, the vision was over. There's Jesus in his regular clothes again, and Moses and Elijah are gone. And There's Peter and James and John, and they have seen something that changed their life. Like Gideon, they got a sign, a big sign. But let me tell you what Peter wrote about that sign and what then you and I have who did not with our own eyes see the transfigured Lord. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
That's where the word came from. And what Peter says is he's described the transfiguration and is now talking about Scripture. He says we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed even than that vision they saw on that mountain. And we would do well to pay attention to it. And so I have to tell you, in my office over the years, I've had people say, well, preacher, I just I feel like the Lord has shown me my soulmate. I'm not married to her right now. I married somebody else. But I know that's not my soulmate anymore. I'm supposed to go after her, and she's married to somebody else, but the Lord will deal with all that. Let me tell you something. God's, that's not God. Why? Because he's not going to contradict his word. In fact, Richard Blackaby, Henry Blackaby, and Claude King in Experiencing God say this, God will never lead you to do something that contradicts his written word. If what you sense in prayer runs contrary to Scripture, it is wrong. For instance, God will never lead you to commit adultery, to steal, or do anything that goes against his biblical precepts. Watch for God to use the written word to confirm what you are sensing in prayer. Don't play games with God. Don't look for a Scripture that seems to say what you selfishly want to do and then claim it is God's will. That's dangerous. Don't do it. God is never going to lead you away from his word and into sin. Psalm 23 says he leads me in paths of what? Righteousness for his name's sake. So if you have a sense that God is calling you into sin, that's not God. That's Satan masquerading as an angel of light. So there's some clarity there. In fact, Many years ago, I led a study that was written by Andy Stanley, the pastor of North Point Community Church, called Discovering God's Will. And he said, God reveals his will really in three ways in the Bible. First, there's the providential will of God. God is God, and he can do what he wants when he wants. And when we understand that and trust him, then we enter into a new realm of our relationship with him. We get closer to him. And then there's the moral will of God. There are a lot of do's and do nots in the Bible. God's been very clear. And Christianity is not progressive. The Bible is not progressive. It works. Same, yesterday, today, and forevermore. And there are prayers that we don't have to pray. I don't have to pray about sin. God said no, so I don't have to ask him about it. And what Stanley said is if we want to understand God's personal will for our lives, what J.I. Packer would call God's vocational will for our lives, what next step should I take in my life, then I need to be submitted to the providential will of God and I need to be submitted to the moral will of God. And if I do those things, then I will most clearly be able to discern the Spirit of God leading me to take the next step he's calling me to take. So does God still speak? Unequivocally, yes. And I believe that as we turn our attention to him, as we fix our focus on Jesus, he speaks to us. He speaks to us through his word and by his spirit. He speaks to us even in the midst of our circumstances, and he speaks to us by mentors in the faith, for which we are so deeply and profoundly grateful. And he speaks to us recognizing that his spirit will never go against what he's already said. For Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore.